What's up, everyone? So this is actually the third time I'm trying to record this episode. The first time I fully recorded it, only to find out when I went back and listened to it that the acoustics were horrible. The sound was awful, and so I couldn't use that recording. The second time I tried to record it, I was recording it at home, and I thought it would be okay. But one of my cast decided to have a really, really bad day where they want to talk about everything, and you could hear her through the closed door. And even if that wasn't enough, then suddenly my neighbor decided to start chopping down a tree with a chainsaw. So <laughs> this is my third attempt at recording my update for you guys on what's been going on the past two months, what I've been doing, and where I see myself going for what is actually the first part of my normal year. So fingers crossed and everything else, toes and everything, even braid your hair if you can to cross everything we can to see if we can get through recording this thing and not have to record it a fourth time. Building a real estate portfolio is as much about buying properties as being a de facto entrepreneur. I'm Karina Ufinger. I'm a multi-property investor, rental management company CEO, and also a landlord coach. I'm going to show you the systems and knowledge you need to thrive as a real estate entrepreneur. From your first property purchase to building a portfolio of passive income where you work less than five hours a week, you'll learn the essential information and skills to build a profitable portfolio and live the life you truly want. Whether you are well on your journey or just starting out, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Landlord Chick Podcast. Well, holy crap. Where did the time go? Like, really, where did it go? Other than the very Brady fudge up episode, which was last week's episode, there hasn't been a podcast episode since middle of May. Wow, that honestly kind of astounds me. My relatively longtime listeners will know that usually I do take a little bit of time off in the summer. But I usually announce it and it's nothing where I disappear for for two months. So my apologies. Um, and, you know, I thought about how am I going to update you guys? Like, do I do I categorize this by area of my life? Like what makes the most sense? And I'm like, no, let's just do this chronological because that's what's going to fit the best in my head. That's how I'm going to be able to describe it best. So I'm going to give you an update chronologically on what's gone on basically the past like three, three and a half months now since that last episode was posted. So when last episode was posted, I was going through a transition with a virtual assistant. So I've had three virtual assistants uh, in the course of, well, I started with one in 2021, the first part of 2021. I brought that one in thinking that it would help me get a lot of areas of my life under control. But here's the thing with that. Hiring that virtual assistant didn't help me get other areas of my life under control because at that point they were just a complete dumpster fire. And there's no way to actually focus on hiring a new virtual assistant or working with them and making other areas of your life better when there's a huge part of your life that is literally on fire, like a dumpster in the middle of a river going down the street. Like if you've seen that picture or that video on Instagram, you know what I'm talking about. And for me in particular, 
there was one portion of my life at that point, pretty much February through August of 2021, was that exact dumpster fire traveling down a flooded street like a river on fire. And bringing in that virtual assistant did not did not do anything because it because I still didn't address the actual dumpster fire. So anyway, uh, fast forward, uh, then I had another one who worked really well, just unfortunately, she had a lot of personal stuff going on and kind of disappeared off the face of the map. And so then finally, actually in May, I got hooked up with a brand new virtual assistant. This time I actually went out of the country. I actually went to the Philippines. And I've got to say, I'm really super impressed. So I feel like there's going to be a podcast coming about hiring an international virtual assistant because it's been a huge game changer for me, like incredibly. And we'll kind of piece that together as we go through the rest of my story. So of course, if I'm onboarding a new virtual assistant and I am actively trying to offload as much as I can onto this person, especially repetitive tasks, things like that, I became really engrossed in basically spending my morning hours from eight until noon working with her and getting her trained on things, helping her work through things, helping her learn things. And so honestly, like eight to noon of all of my days for a month were strictly focused on getting her up to speed. So in the afternoon, that left me, you know, whatever time I had to take care of business phone calls, you know, people I try to call during business hours, like banks and contractors, things like that. Then, of course, in the evening, I've got my own personal stuff. I've got other stuff I'm still working on. So it was really hectic at that time. Um, Also, at that time, we were going through some personal issues. Uh, I think I mentioned this. I I believe I've mentioned this before, but um, full disclosure. So my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's dementia. Um. January of 2022 and most of 2022 I was working tirelessly on doing alternative research I read I read a lot of books I read a lot of scientific articles I actually purchased a medical dictionary like that's how deep I was into this I went on to Amazon and I actually purchased myself a medical dictionary so um That's where a lot of 2022 went for me. And then in 2023, um, we just kind of got to this point where we had a, I guess you'd say an epiphany in June where it was too far gone, that it really didn't matter necessarily what we did. This was happening and there was no way we were even able to sort of reduce it or anything at that point, no matter how much research I did on alternative methods and stuff like hyperbaric oxygen, um, detoxing sonifications, um, everything like that. So that was a really hard time for me in June Um, because my mom is actually only uh, 73. So to have her be in this place now where she's actually in a memory care facility and she's very young. It's, and I actually am very, very young for this to be, to be a part of my life. So it, it was really hard in, in June. And between the virtual assistant and everything going on with my mom and finding her a new memory care facility, getting her set up, um, it was really hard. 
And I say new because we had placed her previously and then we thought things were improving, but then ultimately it turns out that they really weren't and we kind of got our hands forced. So June was kind of a blur with those things. Um, July, I took a much needed vacation. Definitely at that point, a much needed vacation. I've talked about this before about how personal stress really kind of bogs me down infinitely more than professional stress. So if something's going wrong professionally, where maybe um, a client and I are having a disagreement or we've decided to part ways or um, a, something's going on at one of the properties that I own that's pretty big, I can compartmentalize that pretty darn good. But when I have personal stress, particularly when it comes to my family, that is excruciatingly hard on me. So I had been talking about for a while taking a bucket list trip to Virginia and I had kept putting it off because of mom. And then finally I was with my family one time at my sister's and they were like, you can't keep putting this trip off just because of mom, because you just don't know, like she could be here and fine or fine ish, you know, relative, whatever fine is with Alzheimer's and dementia for, you know, five, six, seven years. So it doesn't make any sense to keep putting off this trip. So I left July 6th for Virginia and I was actually in Virginia through July 18th and I had an amazing time. Um, it was a great vacation. I had wanted to go to Virginia for a while because I am a history nerd. Most of you will probably know that if you've listened to a couple episodes. So for me, I went by myself, I rented a car, I had flown out there, and I went to Monticello, which is the home of Thomas Jefferson. I went to Montpelier, which is the home of James Madison. I went to Highland Park, which is basically the yard where James Monroe's house used to stand, but it's actually not there anymore. It burnt down shortly after he moved out in the 18, 1820s. Uh, so... Anyway, I had a really great trip there. I loved learning about Thomas Jefferson and just immersing myself in that. And for the most part, I really didn't do any work there. I did a little bit of what I call like planning and thinking and those sorts of things because that's part of what I enjoy about vacations is letting my mind kind of wander wherever it needs to go. And then just kind of like writing down my thoughts, journaling them or making lists of things that I want to do, things like that. One of the big things I did do while I was down there was I redid my lifestyle mission pl mission plan, which I've never talked to you guys about that. And partly because I don't think it's a very good podcast topic. It's more of like a video thing. And actually next month I'm teaching a course on it at a conference about creating this lifestyle mission plan. Uh, my lifestyle mission plan, just in brief, it's a planning and outcome setting system that works for me. It's a hodgepodge of different approaches from people like Napoleon Hill, Tony Robbins, uh, Gary Keller, a couple other people thrown in there. And it's a system that works for me really well. And what it does is it creates this entire overview of everything I want to do in my life in various areas. And this is a full complete list. Like I have a list of things that I want to do goals that I want to achieve, although I label them outcomes for various reasons that we won't get into. And that's part of the lifestyle mission plan, along with actually 
planning out individual steps for all these goals, things like that. So I spent a lot of time re reworking that when I was in Virginia. And one of the things that I really sort of realized when I was on vacation in Virginia was that I was not quite focusing as much as I needed to on areas that I wanted. I was getting really bogged down still with property management and particularly just a few clients. And so I made the tough decision to actually part ways with, with two clients that were, I'm trying to figure out the best way to put this. If you've ever owned a business or if you've ever been in sales and sales that you don't just do like one and done, but you build a relationship with them and you continually work with them. If you've ever been in either one of those scenarios, you can likely relate to having a customer or a client that they were a big fish. You were so happy to land them. You're so excited about it. But then almost instantaneously, like your balloon gets popped and the air starts to like slowly come out of the balloon. But yet you don't want to actually admit that the air is coming out of the balloon because you really are impressed by what your bottom dollar is looking like now with all this amazing income. But there's a trade-off for all that amazing income because my time was being very monopolized by basically two, two particular portfolios. And not monopolized in the sense of like, okay, let's get over a couple hurdles with the properties. Like it's not like we had these horrible scenarios where like, a tree was falling on something and then there was a murder somewhere else. These are all things that have happened to me in my career. So that's actually why I'm bringing them up. But everyone's like, oh my God, you go to like really worst case scenarios. Yeah, I always do because unfortunately I've been around for those. So it's not like that kind of stuff was going on. It was more just, there was a lot of micromanaging and a huge lack of trust that was being extended towards me. And I've been in a relationship with a client like that before. I would even classify the previous one that I had had, which I had been with for six years, I would actually kind of classify that one as mentally abusive in a way, because when I parted ways with the first client for six years, like I told myself I was gonna recognize the traps easier and quicker and I was going to end it faster. And then this time around with both of these clients, I didn't really do it as quick as I should have. I didn't actually pull the trigger as quick as I should have. And it was only when I realized in July when I was basically completely away from it all that the only thing that was really gonna solve at that point, my problem of just being overstressed by two particular portfolios and being overworked by these two particular portfolios was to part ways with the owners. The owners and I ju just did not mesh. I'm not saying they were necessarily bad people. I don't want to give that impression. I'm sure there's some property manager out there in Wisconsin that would likely work well with them. Um, I have theories about what type of property manager would work well, well with them, but I'm not going to share that here. But needless to say, we were not a good fit, which is never a good scenario because I've always stated that with property management, 
the clients that I choose to do business with, they actually have to be people that I could see myself going out and having a drink with just to shoot the shit. That is my rule for bringing people into property management. I want to have that good and easy of a relationship with them. That doesn't mean it's always going to be an easy relationship. You know, they have their ups and downs, but I've never, ever wanted to hire or do business with a client that I could not go out and have a beer with. And it's funny because like, yeah, actually none of my clients live in Wisconsin. No, I don't think any of them do. Yeah, they don't. So it's not like I could actually go out and have a beer with any of them for real. But that's always been my thing. I have to have that kind of rapport with a client. And with these two, it just was not there. I thought it was at first, but then very quickly it became apparent that it wasn't. But I really was not admitting that I was on the same track that I was before. So I removed those people from my company, uh, end of July. And then we're getting into the first part of August, which August was looking up and August really did look up. Um, so in August, I was actually trying to actively buy a couple, couple properties for myself. Uh, one of them was a seller financing situation for a flip. Um, that one did not end up coming to fruition just because the Seller was very set on the down payment and I just was not willing to quite be that flexible on it, especially because I would still have to have a down payment for um, a hard money lender and stuff like that. So I just was not really willing to sacrifice what they wanted to get the seller financing property. The other deal I had worked on was I had tried to buy... Uh, two duplexes, a package. This was a, uh, this was actually a wholesale deal, which I honestly, I don't really do a lot with wholesaling. Like I don't even usually even look at them, but this was through a person who I consider a friend and they are well established in the wholesale community. So I've always said to myself, like, if I do business with any wholesaler, it's likely going to be somebody I have this strong relationship with just because we all know the stories about wholesalers and how they work, things like that. Some of them can be not the most ethical and not the most forthcoming. So with this particular uh, portfolio, because I knew the wholesaler, I was willing to kind of go down the road and see where it went. And in that situation, it was just unfortunate because ultimately when I went there with a GC, we just found more and more where it was like the price was not going to make sense for what I wanted to do based on my personal experiences. So sure, maybe other people going to see it, it would have been a decent deal for them. But here's the thing about investing in real estate. You always bring your experience with you. You always bring your experience baggage with you. So, and this is just a complete hypothetical here. The next thing I'm going to say And I'm going to knock on wood too, actually, because (laughs) this technically could happen to me. If you bought a duplex and it had knob and tube wiring in it, and let's say a year later you had a fire that took out a a kitchen, a bathroom, a bedroom, um, and you go to buy another duplex and it has knob and tube wiring, you're going to bring that experience with you and you're going to be like, okay, I need to replace the knob and tube wiring in here, even though it's in good condition, just because I had a fire 
in this other place. So because we bring our baggage and our experience with us, we all look at properties differently. So when I go to properties, I bring what is mostly my personal experience with properties on what I've owned and I'm looking at them through those lenses. So this particular property, I was seeing issues with some of the older uh, beams that are, that are support beams in the basement. I was noticing that there was a little bit more moisture in the basement along the walls than I wanted. And I also was not really the biggest fan of how the place was converted. So when things get converted from a single family home into a duplex or a duplex or a triplex, I always think it's fun to see how it turns out. Like you can go through 500 of these and 200 of them will make you scratch your head, pop some popcorn and go, what the hell were they thinking? (laughs) And this one in particular was definitely one of those because it, it was this very weird juxtaposition of how the units were created because you would, you would like go up the stairs to enter the upper one. And you thought the upper was going to be entirely on the first floor, but then you go down these stairs in the back and then that's where you got the living room for the, the, sorry, it was the, no, that's right. That was the kitchen. So the kitchen was down there. It was not an eating kitchen. And you went up the stairs, back upstairs, and there was the, there was a living room and the bedrooms. And I think the bathroom was by the kitchen downstairs. So you go up the stairs, you got your living space and your bedroom spaces but then you got to go down the stairs to the kitchen, which was not really even an eating kitchen, like I said. And then the bathroom was there. And I was like, you can't. I just can't make that work. There's, there's no way I could I can make that work. And it was really sad because the first unit that we saw, its layout made a little bit more logistical sense because they had the bedrooms upstairs. And then they had the living space and the kitchen downstairs. So at first, we went to the first one like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. But then the second one, I was like, what the hell am I going to do with this? Like, you you can't. And then on top of it, the bathroom, I, I should have mentioned the beginning with. So the bathroom in the weird upper one. So you had the toilet in its own little room. And then you had a sink and a stand-up shower in another room. It was just like the weirdest, goofiest thing. I'm like, this is not, no. Like, I can see why they have to rent this two-bedroom for for $600 a month in this market. It's because this layout is so goofy. And the GC I brought with me, he's like, to make this good, you'd have to have both units vacant. You'd be doing a lot of work. We're talking about going down to studs. We're talking about reframing. He's like, honestly, if you're going to spend this much money, it makes more sense to go get something else. You know, if you have this much money to play with, Go spend it somewhere else. So I took their advice and I didn't execute upon that one. But I got my heartstrings really, really pulled at. And now we're going back a little bit in time to end of July. So end of July, in the town that I live in here in Wisconsin, one of the first things I noticed when we were touring homes in this city, and we were not familiar with the city at all when we moved here, when we drove into town, the first the, the first two things I noticed was the church that was visible up on a hill from down the main drag. And the second was when we got to the main intersection of the city, there was this beautiful brick Victorian building right along the side of the street. And it was gorgeous, just 
I fell in love with it instantaneously. At the time, it was a dentist's office. And I kept thinking to myself, like, hey, if that ever becomes available, we're going to buy that. We're going to buy that home. It's a beautiful home. It'd be a great rental property. Yeah, there's some small things with it, like it doesn't have a yard. And it's right next to a Jimmy John's, like literally right next to Jimmy John's. Like if you were on the second floor, you could actually throw something onto the roof of Jimmy John's without even like winding up or anything. (laughs) But I remember thinking that for five years now and then finally it happened. And what was funny was like I had driven past it hundreds of times and I never noticed that it was for sale. But it was only when my husband who drives bus school bus for a living, was driving down Main Street back to the terminal when he noticed it. And he's like, hey, do you know the house is for sale? I'm like, oh my God, it really is? Like, I didn't know that. It must have just gotten listed. I went online and it had been listed since January. But it's like one of those things because you see it all the time. You don't necessarily notice a difference. So I didn't notice the fact that there was a for sale sign. And I didn't notice that, hey, wait, the dentist sign like is down. Like it doesn't say so-and-so DDS anymore. So I got super excited. I scheduled myself a showing. My husband and I went there and it's amazingly huge. This building, this property is 3,000 square feet. 3,000 square feet of actual living space. This is verified 100% 3,000 square feet of living space. And it has gorgeous architectural detail on the inside, like amazing marble floor that is original molding that is original fireplace gorgeous original marble fireplace like just I was falling in love everywhere and that can be a little bit of a danger but we'll get to that shortly so we're walking around here and the agent is telling us like yeah so this is the area that they had the chairs in and it's funny when you're in this very long open room you almost immediately think like was this a funeral home? Because this seems like it was a funeral parlor, like an actual place for visitations. Like it just gave you that vibe. Like not like ghostly vibes, because I actually don't really believe in that stuff, but more just you get the sense looking around like, this is probably used as one of those at some point, right? So it's a gorgeous big open room. We're talking about I'm already thinking about everything like I can do like, okay, we'll kind of put a wall here. And then like this area here will be the first unit. This area will be the second unit. And then like this will be a third unit over here. And this is just the downstairs, by the way. And then we'll go upstairs and it's like, oh, okay, well, we've already got a kitchen pre-made here and a living room and then a one bedroom maybe in here. So this will be a unit. And like, oh, well, how do we make like these three bedrooms, four, actually four rooms connect to become like maybe a possibly a fifth apartment. And I'm just like going overboard. Like, I'm just like, oh yeah, this is it. Like this can totally be done. And I really want to make it happen because I've been in love with this property for five years from the outside. So my husband being, well, my husband, he realizes that he doesn't quite have the same level of real estate knowledge that I do, which means that even though he has concerns inside him about what I'm talking about doing, he can't necessarily figure out how to vocalize it very well in terms of real estate. So 
When we get home, he says, hey, why don't you bring out John? John is one of my very, very good friends and he's a GC. So why don't you bring out John and see what he thinks and talk him through what you want to do. Like, even if you're not going to use him, just he'll give you an honest opinion of how something could be done and so on and so forth. So I bring John out and yeah, John was the one. Well, John likes to joke and say that he crushed my dreams. <laughs> and I always say, no, John, you actually gave me my my dose of reality, which was very much needed. Uh, because almost for the second time in a short number of months, um, this one was much more appropriate, though. John sat me down in what was, I'm thinking, the parlor of a funeral home at some point, And he said, honestly, with the money you're going to spend in this place, you could go out and buy 10 units. He's like, if you actually had the resources to gather the funding to go through all of this conversion and to make this a four or a five unit, you would be spending probably $500,000. He's like, if you have that much money somewhere available through various sources of funding, this isn't where you should be doing it because your rents are not going to pay you back for this anytime soon. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? If you're going to be spending $500,000 on just, just the conversions and just the rehab and you're still paying $200,000, no, that's just dumb. <laughs> so my little dose of reality was very good because that is the story, people. Buying with your heart is very, very dangerous. And I, I don't want to say I almost did it because it's not like I had financing lined up and I totally had made these plans and I had put in an offer or anything like that. Like I was still in the very early stages, but there was a large part of me where my heart was leading more than my brain was. Like my brain was still back in this part saying like, it's going to be a lot of work. Do we have a contractor locally that we know could handle this effectively and efficiently? And is it really going to be what we think it is ballpark range. Meanwhile, my heart's like, oh my God, this is a beautiful building. This is what I live for, which is taking 1860s homes and making them beautiful apartments and units to rent. Like this is what my bread and butter is. But my brain, which I was quickly trying to like muzzle and stuff in the trunk of a car and shove down the road in neutral, my brain needed to come back and give me a reality dose. And when I wouldn't allow it to, that was when my husband and John were able to do that for me. Because we actually, when we were sitting in the building, my husband actually turned to John and said, thank you for saying what I could not figure out how to vocalize. <laughs> so that was really disappointing. But again, it's a good lesson. And it was a good lesson for myself that, you know what? There are times that I do need to check, check my heart and I need to bring in a second opinion. A second opinion that can speak my language and get things expressed in such format. <laughs> so I have been trying to buy real estate. At this point, I seriously think I've moved on from a master's degree in trying to buy. And I have probably a PhD at this point. Um, <laughs> but I'm not giving up. I'm really not. Um, also thrown in here in the time frame, um, I got a little bit of shock that my independent brokerage that I had joined up with back in 2021 was being absorbed by Coldwell Banker. Uh, first little part of disclosure here, I have absolutely nothing against Coldwell Banker agents or Coldwell Banker in its entirety. So I just want to get that out there before I continue because that's really important to say, I think. 
so I'd been with this brokerage, this, this independent brokerage for almost two years. And I absolutely loved it. Like for the first time ever in my life, I really felt like I was part of an entrepreneur environment. I felt like I was really part of a team of like-minded people. There are people that were trying to basically do the same thing, which is buy real estate, hustle, be entrepreneurs, be solopreneurs. I hadn't really had that connection in my life before. So I really had loved being a part of this brokerage for two years and I never ever saw myself leaving. That is, unless of course something completely unpredictable happened and the brokerage became absorbed by a bigger brokerage. I am not someone who likes to work in a corporate environment. If I wanted to work in a corporate environment, I wouldn't be an entrepreneur. And I know there's probably real estate agents out there listening to this, maybe a couple of you, or maybe there's one, two or three of you listening to this and going, I'm a real estate agent. I'm an entrepreneur still. Well, I mean, yes, you are still an entrepreneur, but you do answer to somebody and you do have people that control you. You really do. You know, whatever brokerage you look, you work for, depending on how many rules or how corporate it is, you are ruled over by someone else. So for me, I've never, ever been a corporate person. The last time I had a truly corporate job was when I worked, was probably when I worked for a local grocery store chain, pick and save, um, Kroger's sort of situation, if you know what Kroger's is. And that was when I was a senior, a junior in high school through um, my first year of college. So like that was the last time I really had a truly corporate job. It's not me. It's not. Like I just can't do I it it, it almost feels like a soul allergy. Like S O U L allergy to being in a corporate environment because I don't know. It's like I sort of instantly start breaking out in mental hives per se and I get really fidgety and really concerned about people having control over what I can do and what I can't do in my career. And it was becoming apparent rather quickly that there was going to be some constraints on what I could do and how I could do it. And I kind of knew right away, I'm like, all right, I'm in a pickle here because being a property manager, not a lot of brokerages want to bring me on because they don't really see the separation between church and state that can exist. So a lot of real estate companies, if you are a property manager, they won't really want anything to do with you because of the possibility somehow of getting pulled into your property management if something were to go wrong with it. They view it as somehow much more legal liability than it is to sell homes, which I don't necessarily agree with, but that's a different discussion. So I know not everyone is going to take me on. And I also know that if I do have a chance of getting taken on by another brokerage, I'm going to have to have my broker's license. Now, I have been working on my broker's license at that point for about, eh, it's a month, month, yeah, right around a month when this bomb got kind of dropped on me. 
Uh, I had bought the course and I was watching the videos and stuff like that. But then when this bomb got dropped on me, uh, the middle, middle to beginning of June, uh, instantaneously, I basically became super focused on that one thing. Because one thing, <laughs> one thing that Gary, Gary Keller talks about in his book, the one thing, that's a really dumb sentence, but if you can't tell, I'm recording this without a script in front of me, which is something I don't usually do when we have an actual topic we're talking about, but it felt kind of weird to create a script recapping my life the past few months. So I didn't really create a script. But anyway, in, in his book, The One Thing, Gary Keller talks about how we are the most effective and most efficient when we focus on one thing for a certain amount of time, whether it be a day, a week, a month, we are our most efficient when we can focus on one thing. So that's pretty much what I did. Minus being available for my new virtual assistant, who at that point was with me for maybe two weeks when this bomb got dropped on me. So aside from getting her set up in the morning and working with her in the morning, I was hyper-focused on getting this broker's license. Incredibly focused. I was reading and watching videos from like, 3 to 7 p.m. every night and I was taking these tests that are required and I was taking the final exam for the course online and I was studying and studying and studying. I just needed to get that done so that I could leave Coldwell Banker and then go be a part of a brokerage because having my own broker's license and a property management company takes away a huge amount of liability from anybody that's going to take me on. Because then if I'm my broker, if I'm my own broker for that, which is basically like a broker, if you don't know in Wisconsin, it's like top dog. It's, it's just the highest real estate license you can get. And it, it really means that supposedly, according to the state, you can go out and run a real estate company on your own. And you can even hire agents to work under you. I don't know if I fully agree that taking my broker's exam prepared me for that because when I went in to take my broker's exam, I actually had to raise my hand and ask the test proctor if they gave me the right exam because it felt like I was taking the real estate agent course, not the broker one, which is for a higher level of learning, supposedly. <laughs> but luckily I passed. I passed my exam when I got back from Virginia. And then I started working on getting hooked up with my new brokerage and getting everything set up once I finally got approved by the state with my broker's license. Because after I passed the exam, I had to submit everything. And it took them about a week, was it seven or nine days to get back to me and say, yeah, you are hereby pontificated as a broker, whatever you want to call it. Be well and go do business in Wisconsin. <laughs> So at that point then, like a week after I had taken my exam, I could finally transition over to a brokerage company. And I'm still kind of learning things there. Um, volume's been a little slow for me right now uh, because of sort of focusing so much on getting my broker's exam done and taking my taking my course, going on vacation. And I hadn't even got to August and how I managed to have an amazingly awesome time, possibly, possibly drinking a little bit too much 
at a family wedding, but I hardly ever get to really let my hair down with my family to this degree with my siblings. So I did it. Like it was an open bar and we were there. <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, I ended up coming out of that wedding with um, a pretty decent knee injury. Um, not to give my whole life story, but back in seventh grade, I played competitive basketball and uh, I pivoted after getting a rebound. And when I was pivoting, my knee made a noise that made the referee almost throw up and immediately make him stop the game. And I'm like, I feel fine. I don't feel anything. And um, basically like about four days later, it was in our kitchen feeding our dog caramel a carrot. And yes, I said that, feeding our dog caramel a carrot. She loved carrots. And at that exact moment, my niece, my uh, ACL decided to fully tear and give way, thus dislocating my kneecap to the left side of my knee. Sorry if that kind of creeped you out and made you cringe and everything. It's making me cringe, just sort of like reliving it in a way. So anyway, I had this amazing reconstructive surgery back then. It's been totally fine for like 25 years um, until basically apparently that wedding, <laughs> which I don't even know. Like I'm looking back on it and I'm like, I care. I honestly, even though there was a lot of drinking involved, I can remember 90% of the night. I don't know what the heck would have caused this because I couldn't walk. I couldn't really bend my knee. Um, I had huge swelling going on and all of this stuff. And because I have this as a pre-existing condition, I didn't immediately go to the ER. I'm like, all right, I've kind of been down this a little bit before. Like I've tweaked it before. Like one time I climbed over auditorium chairs because one of my nieces had left this play to go use the bathroom and she tripped and she fell and she hit her head. So I just like jumped into like, you know, hyper overprotective aunt and just like jumped over two freaking rows of theater seats and uh, <laughs> ended up doing something my knee then, which stuck with me for quite a bit. So it's like, I've been down this road before, so I didn't immediately go into urgent care or anything. Eventually what I did, um, long story short, they still don't really know for sure what happened. And I have been laid up on the couch since approximately August 10th. Now, when I say laid up on the couch, I mean, it consists of really mostly on the couch. I have my knee elevated almost all the time, uh, icing it a lot and doing some PT. Uh, I can't go up and down stairs. Uh, for a while, I was on crutches. I just kind of recently got off the crutches about a week ago. So it's been kind of really horrible um, in the past month for that kind of stuff. Um and of course, it's kind of depressing because when you are physically incapacitated like that, if you're such a go-getter like I am, like you're not really a homebody or a go get em, go-doer person, that really screws with you mentally too. So um, I've officially watched more TV in the past month than I ever want to watch um, because that's just what was easiest for me. Like I tried to read and stuff like that, but I just couldn't keep focused. And so... Here I am. We are now um, towards the end of September, coming up on my birthday, um, starting some PT and stuff like that, finally getting some mobility back in my knee just in time for my birthday and just in time to start over my year because 
again, if you've listened to the podcast for a couple years, you probably know that I don't run my years from January to December. I run them based on my birthday. I think New Year's is overhyped in regards to a brand new you and a brand new goal setting, whatever you want to do sort of situation. I think it's completely overhyped and it sets everybody up for massive failure. Don't get me wrong. Like I love New Year's. I love going to my sister. She has a party every year, usually somewhere between 15 to 30 people. Love them all. I love going there. I love, love being a part of that. I just think the whole New Year's resolution and a new you, new year thing is completely overrated. So I've always ran my life September to September. So I'm getting ready to start my new year. And I have decided that the three words that describe what I'm going to focus on in my new year is, well, it's not really words, I should say, it's more phrases. It's my portfolio, instruction, and knowledge absorption. So I'm going to be focusing on building my own portfolio much, much more than I ever have before. It's not to say I'm not gonna be doing property management, I'm not gonna be doing real estate. I'm totally doing those things, totally doing those things. But instead of maybe getting pulled around to different directions and doing different things and you know, sort of going like full open doors, like everybody come do business with me, I'm gonna be selective. I'm gonna be a little bit selective so that I'm not getting overloaded and not focusing on building my own portfolio. Then my other key phrase was instruction. I want to start teaching more. Many of you are probably like, teach more. You already seem to teach a lot because I don't really teach at all. And you teach, it seems like six, seven courses a year. That's true. I do. But I want to teach more. I want to travel and teach more. So I'm actually, part of what I've been doing as well on top of everything else is creating a 100 series on landlording basics in Wisconsin. This thing really is based on Wisconsin. We talk a lot about Wisconsin law on it, um, things like that. So it's not necessarily a thing I can make an online academy out of for everyone to partake in. But that's what I want to do is I want to instruct Wisconsin real estate investors on owning rental properties. So I've been working on creating those courses. I'm going to continue to work on creating those courses, the 100 series. I have ideas for a 200 series. And I want to get that on the road and I want to get out there and start teaching. And honestly, I feel like that's where a lot of my time is going to go into those first two things. That's really truly where I think I want my focus to be. I want to be focused on those areas that I feel most passionate about. And at this stage in my life, I honestly am the most passionate about teaching other people and building my own portfolio. And of course, you know, absorbing knowledge, that's more just about actively reading. See, before I would read books for the sake of reading books in the sense of, I'll read it and hooray, I can say I've read that book. But that's not what it really means to read a book. If you really read a book and you absorbed it, you actively read it. So I'm going to work on actively absorbing material that I read, which means I'm going to read slower. It's going to take me more time. I'm not going to read as many books. But what I do read is going to be more impactful because of the way that I read it. So that's what my focus is going to be for the coming year. Holy cow, if you guys are actually still listening to me right now, you've been listening to me for 45 minutes talk about my life. (laughs) 
You know, I just mentioned to someone the other day, I was talking to them, like, sometimes I feel like these podcasts are just my own little therapy session where I'm talking to myself out loud. <laughs> but then it's always nice to hear when people contact me, like, oh my gosh, I just listened to that episode. Thank you so much for saying that. Or, you know, oh my God, I'm going to be going through that like pretty soon here. So I'm so glad you dropped an episode about that. But if you've been listening to my little solo therapy session right now for 45 minutes, thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. I hope you guys have learned something from this. This isn't just like a, hey, it's me. Let's talk about my life scenario here. Like, no, I, I'm hoping what I shared with you inspired you to do something or to reevaluate something and where you're going in your life. I do have a couple episodes that are coming. We already talked about it. I'm going to be doing a podcast on hiring a international virtual assistant. I also have some podcasts coming up on fair housing, which is a national topic. I have podcasts coming up on tenant screening, and I have podcasts coming up in regards to tenant relations as well, and a couple other ones that I hope I can get to materialize here. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to me. Uh, Thank you for sticking around. Seriously, like, I should send you all some cupcakes for not giving up on me, because I think two months is the longest I have disappeared. Uh, I do promise to try and do better with this, even if it's just dropping an episode every other week. Um, and now that everything's more open out on the table as far as what's going on with my mom and stuff like that, I'm, I'm hoping you guys might be, not that I didn't think you were understanding, but now at least if I disappear for a little bit, you maybe have a little bit of indication as to why and like you can kind of maybe have an idea of what might be going on, so... Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to me, and I will be back next time with a real estate-focused podcast.